We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, Smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands, hands, hands. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and I will promise you this, this episode will have more excitement than last night's Pacers game, but Fachi, what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, man, there's nothing like bringing in your 30s with a loss to the Pistons, Alex. I never thought it was possible. I thought this was like a gift from the basketball gods to be like, oh, we're going to stomp out Detroit and, you know, (laughs) hey, celebrate my birthday. Instead, I'm like, oh, my God, this is one of the ugliest games I've seen in a while. But I would say ugliest in a while, but the game against the Knicks was not much prettier. Either way, these Pacers need to snap out of this funk ASAP. Uh, yeah, before we jump into the game, though, I got to ask you, because I know I wish you a happy early birthday on the last one. We got a cool uh, we got a cool response on social media wishing you a happy birthday. But anything exciting for your birthday? Did you get anything awesome from Babe? Uh, what did you do? Yes, I did. Okay. Honestly, I am blessed to have some great friends and a great fiance. My friends surprised me with tickets to the Pacers versus the Wizards. The next time the Pacers come to D.C., I got unbelievable like courtside seats, right, oh. right at midcourt, lower oh level, God. pumped for that. Then Babe had it up her sleeve. She has me, like, she like, lures me out to the garage because there's something heavy I needed to bring in. And I open up this cooler, and in there is tickets to West Virginia versus Texas football game this weekend in Morgantown, where I went to school. And then there was another surprise. She managed to wrangle up 14 
people for this game, like my whole college crew and, and their, you know, their girlfriends, fiancés, wives. So all of a sudden I'm going down to West Virginia this weekend for the game. I, I couldn't believe it. We go out to dinner. I got like seven friends popping out of nowhere. It, it was a great birthday. You know, could have just used that Pacers win, but it had everything except that. Absolutely, man. Well, I mean, you're still doing all right uh, oh, after yeah. that. The Pacers Let's loss probably didn't even have too much of an impact on you. But, I mean, you've gone above and beyond for uh, for Amy as well. So, I, I She's got to she's got to step her game up after all the Taylor Swift stuff you've done for her. But uh, let's let's transition into this game now. Um, Fachi, I, I, I'm really getting kind of frustrated. We, we've held our, our tongue for quite a while trying to let this thing kind of play itself out. We talked about it after the jazz game, like super exciting win. we scrapped a whole entire episode talking about that loss of the Nuggets. And I told you before we aired, I'm glad that we did that, because right now this gives us an opportunity to really talk about this Pacers team. Six and ten right now, Fachi. Six and ten. And we hear comments like this from Rick Carlisle after the game. It was a hard play issue. Are are you kidding me right now? If you're a team that is six and nine competing in the Eastern Conference, which is extremely well balanced this year, we were seeing the Wizards, the Bulls, the Cavaliers in the top five, top six right now in the standings early on. You're you're telling me that a veteran Pacers team, for the most part, they've been together for a little bit they're having a hard play issue when they're six and nine going into this game. This is a problem to me, Fachi. And this is a team that screams, Hey, we're, we're okay with settling for less than our best. I don't even want to say it's hard to read, but it, it's at the point where it's just, they're just, they're not consistent at all. And if they lost that game to the jazz, all of a sudden, I mean, things would be really, really dark and they're getting darker, but the Pistons, I mean, Alex, they, the Pacers need to come out with a killer mentality to say that we are so much better than this team that let's put our foot on the gas all game. And they didn't even do that from the first quarter. So it, it's been real tough lately. I mean, the, the back end, the fourth quarters of the last two games have been some of the, the least inspiring basketball I have seen in quite some time. It just feels like this team, they're getting pushed around by what feels like nearly all opponents, not everyone, but the Knicks pushed them around. I mean, we just saw Detroit push them around. It's like the Pacers need to push back. Yeah, no, they do. And, and here's a problem too. It's like, we can't even make entry passes into our centers when the tallest guy that was playing out there for the most part last night was beef stew. Who's like what? Six, eight at the most. So it's like, we've got an issue with 14 turnovers in the first half. Against the Pistons, Corey only Joseph. Four, only 14 made shots in the first half for the Pacers. I mean, I get that the offense is not playing well, but, like, you're letting Corey Joseph go off or 8 of 11 shooting, something like that? It's like Corey Joseph is in the locker room probably popping champagne bottles after that gold dish of revenge. So it's gold like this, this is a 3-10 Pistons team, Fachi. A 3-10. and 10. Now they're 4-10, and 10, but they were 3-10 and 10 heading into this game. You are 6-9. and nine. You're trying to claw your way back up to the top of the Eastern Conference ladder. You're trying to show everybody, hey, we can compete with the Knicks. We can compete with the Wizards. I mean, I know the Wizards aren't going to be like, you know, number one by the end of it. But you're trying to say, hey, we belong with this upper echelon of the Eastern Conference teams because we're that balanced. We're that talented. You you are six and nine, Indiana. You can't walk into this game thinking that you can just steamroll through the Pistons. You're not good enough. You're not consistent enough. And I see Milwaukee, they're a little bit lower in the standings than you might think they should be. You're not Milwaukee. You can't afford a loss like this because 
unfortunately, you're a team that's going to lose a lot more games than Milwaukee. So when you're playing a team like Detroit, you got to punch them in the mouth. You got to come out with energy because you don't get a lot of gimme games right now in the Eastern Conference. And if you're going to just sit there and let them play tougher than you, and, and they're a team in rebuild mode, they're going through a bit of a tank right now, not, not full-on tank, but they've got Cade Cunningham. He played well. They got Jeremy Grant. He's a good ball player. But this, to me, is not a winning recipe for basketball. Rick Carlisle said it. I, uh, I echo those sentiments. I, I'm just frustrated as a fan sitting here trying to hold my tongue. And I think the reason I've been so patient, especially this season, is because I have trust in Rick Carlisle to some degree. But at the same time, it's like, we, we see this team come back after a tough loss in Denver with no without three starters, take down the Utah Jazz, the number one team in the Western Conference at the time, and then they come back a week later and lose to a 3-10 and 10 Detroit Pistons team. You, you cannot be this up and down. I, I get that it's the regular season. There's plenty of basketball left to be played. But this is becoming more of a problem than I, I think the Pacers want to really address it because, to me, this team, it, it feels like, yeah, we're good enough, but we keep talking about what we could be, but we never end up showing up to be that. Exactly. This team is not playing up to their standards. I mean, at all. You look on paper, there's some real good players on this team, but they're not playing that way consistently. It feels like there's always something going on. Like one player might play well, and then all of a sudden the next night, if he had played the same, we would have won. And oh, all of a sudden against the Knicks, Barely turn the ball over. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, that the following night, the Pacers are the following game. Pacers have 18 turnovers against the Pistons that went for 20 points. I mean, it's like, come on, can you consistently protect the ball? If you can do that, they'll win more of these games, but they haven't been able to consistently limit the turnovers. We already know other struggles that they've had, but in, in terms of just like, you know, Levert trying to work his way back over here, or or maybe it's just the bench units not not bringing it. It just feels like there's never a consistency here. And and right there, I think is the biggest problem that the Pacers come out in games that they should win, they're not. And then some of their wins, beating Miami, beating Utah, it's like those are the games you wouldn't expect them to win. So they're not playing up to their standards. And you know, obviously, we're not going to blame the, the coaching staff because we did that with the last two coaches. These players need to want it more than the coaching staff. And, and right now, I'm not seeing a team that looks like they're coming out really trying to put teams away. I went through the schedule, and how many teams have the Pacers really put away? I mean, it feels like that San Antonio game, you know, maybe just about it. They had a good win against New York earlier this month where, where they won by 13. It feels like maybe that's about it. But other than that, a lot of their wins – have even been just close, close games, you know, against Philly leading by over 20 and then you end up just winning by five or, or you know, against Miami initially or in the year. They were up a lot. That game goes to overtime. It's just they can't put anyone away and come the fourth quarter. It, it's been it's been really brutal. And Alex, I'm going to throw some numbers out there in this game against Detroit. The Pacers scored six points in the final six minutes and 40 seconds. That's disgusting. Total. That is horrible. Just three made baskets in the final near 11 minutes. I mean, and you could tell Sabonis at the end of the game, he goes one of it, one of four from the line at, at the end. They, they look gassed. Guy like Keelan Martin gets his first start. Great story. Hits the first basket of the game. Doesn't make another shot. Miles Turner, he's, he's been great lately. But just one point in the second half, I mean, now it's back-to-back -back games that he's really struggled. And when you're seeing McConnell struggle – you start to realize that if 
maybe we're relying too much on guys like TJ McConnell to, to be saving us or, or Justin Holiday when other teams would not be relying on these guys. We love these players, but maybe we're relying on them too much and, and just consistency. They're not able to bring it on a night and night basis. It's maybe more of a here and there. Yeah. And I mean, uh, just, just to kind of echo some of your thoughts, you know, Miles Turner, the last two games, he's three of 12 from the field, not nearly getting the shots that he was the previous week, only shooting 25%, nine total points, seven total rebounds, three blocks, two steals, zero assists, five turnovers. Okay. Nine of those 12 shots were three-point shots. Only three shots were in the paint. Okay, so I get that Miles is mostly a three-point shooter. But the seven rebounds in two games, that to me seems like a problem. I mean, the guy was out there averaging, what, seven or eight, even double digits sometimes the last couple of weeks, and he's reverted back to seven rebounds in the last two games. And and like I said, who was the tallest guy on the Detroit Pistons last night? Isaiah Stewart, Cade Cunningham maybe. So it's like, you know, Turner can assert himself a little bit more, and I know Sabonis. Did not play well last night. I mean, even though he had 15, 11, six, six turnovers, Sabonis. Like, well, what's going on there? Brogdon, it felt like, was the only real positive player. I mean, Sabonis was still positive, but Brogdon played 36 minutes and he, or 35 minutes, excuse me. He was a plus 13, I believe it was, plus 11, something like that. Plus 11 in, yeah. in, in a, a nine-point loss. I mean, eight-point loss. That's Yeah, wow. so, so that means in 13 minutes, this game was lost when he wasn't on the floor. Yep. So that, that's what I'm saying. It's like McConnell. Two of six last night, the previous game, one of eight. That's three of 14 for McConnell. This team is built on balance and depth. But if your guys that are, are supposed to be part of your balance and depth don't show up, you know, kind of like Justin Holiday, three of 10 versus the Knicks. And then last night he was three of seven. So what, six of seven? I mean, you're, you're shooting so poorly right now that you're not really going to produce. I mean, Torrey Craig's been the most efficient player off the bench the last couple of games. And, you know, he didn't even hardly sh- – he didn't even shoot the ball but one time in the next game. So, it's like – Torrey Craig, to me, should be playing more minutes, in my opinion, based on how he's I produced agree. overall. Keelan Martin got the start pretty good defensively, but just one yeah. of seven. No help whatsoever. Turner, two of eight. Lavert, my God. I mean, the guy's chucking the ball left and right, and the shots aren't going in. I mean, it took a, a miracle third quarter for him. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's Carlisle's system or what it is. And the guys are just trying to figure it out, or it's just this system doesn't really fit what these guys are running. But overall, it's just like we can't keep blaming the coaching staff. It's a player issue right now. This team is not talented enough right now to win a playoff series. They're they're barely talented enough to even be in consideration for a playing game. So until they start showing a level of consistency, we really shouldn't be putting any stock or any hope that this team is going to turn it around. You can't keep waiting on TJ Warren to come back because look, at the end of the day. T.J. Warren is not going to be 100% healthy when he returns. So it's going to take him a while. I just feel like, you know, they're missing Duarte. I get that. Isaiah Jackson's rehabbing. They don't have T.J. Warren. But they should, have, they should have plenty of enough players and enough talent on their roster to handle Detroit on the road. No doubt about it. I mean, because, look, like this Pacers team, I mean, I know Isaiah Jackson's not out there, sure, but, like, expectations shouldn't be high for him. But Chris Duarte, now all of a sudden, look, we've gotten to a spot now that Duarte hasn't played the last two games, and now it's like I don't even want to start using the crutch of, well, if we had Duarte, we'd win that game. It's like that should never be the case coming into the year. We shouldn't be leaning on a rookie like that, but we know he's a shot maker, and the Pacers have not been able to make any shots down the stretch. It, it, it's it's tough because it's now all of a sudden it's like, wow, are we, are we really going to be that dependent on a rookie right now? We shouldn't be in that spot, but unfortunately – the Pacers need better shot makers. And you mentioned Levert. 
18 points all in the second half. He, yeah. he was over five in the first half. I mean, I, I know he hit some big shots down in the, in the fourth quarter to, to, to make it closer, but man, and, and then you try and find some positives. Like, yes, Sabonis got to the line. He shot 10 free throw attempts, but unfortunately he missed three of them in the fourth quarter and finishes the game with just seven field goals. I know that's skewed by getting to the line, but man, just about a year ago, people were saying this guy's stat chasing, you know, he's stat padding right, right now, putting up too many shots. Now it's like, Man, I miss Sabonis, the playmaker. I, I, maybe I don't know if he needs to be more aggressive, but it's just like, what world have we gotten to where Sabonis has one assist and five turnovers? So, yeah. starting lineup. Just, just one last thing. I mean, fourteen assists as a team. That is, that cannot happen. That is some horrendous basketball right there. Mm-hmm. The Pacers had, I believe, the starting lineup. Um, accounted for, I want to say it was 16 turnovers. 16 turnovers from the starting lineup. Whew, too that's many. that's pretty bad. And, you know, our, our friend James Boyd from the Indy Star just replaced Jay Michael a couple of weeks ago officially. You know, he's been doing a great job on this cover, and he talked about last night and, and what Rick Carlisle had to say, calling it a losing recipe, and sounds off on the Pacers play, you know, after the Pistons played harder than them. But in this article, I was reading it before we came on here, he talks about what Carlisle said about Ben Wallace and, and Ben Wallace. And this is what he said, Ben, he really transformed the Pistons franchise from a lottery dwelling franchise for two or three years to a championship level team with his defensive ability, his persona and his attitude. Um, so to me, you look at that Pistons team and that has been a team that this Pacers team that's been assembled has been compared to. I don't think that's really fair to that Pistons team for this Pacers team to be compared to them because they definitely proved a lot more, but they were built on depth. The problem is they had guys that were dogs. They had guys that knew how to win. This Pacers team last night, they they showed what happens when the going gets tough and and they didn't fight back. So that to me, I, I get it. They clawed their way back into the third quarter, got a little bit of a lead there, but you got to finish out fourth quarters. There's no way you should only score. Was it 15 total points in that fourth quarter last night, Fachi? It was 16. And who 16. am I to even correct it at that point? It's horrendous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So it's like you scored a total of 26 points in the last two fourth quarters in games that you played. You're not going to win basketball that way. Carlisle said he doesn't want to talk about offensive rhythm and stuff like that, but he does need to look at that because, quite frankly, he's got a wild card on his bench in O'Shea Brissett that's not been getting any playing time. I've kind of just accepted it for what it is. But at this point, how do you continue to look at guys like Jeremy Lamb and Gogo Batadze and not give O'Shea Brissett a chance? I mean, O'Shea can guard bigger wings. He can actually shoot the basketball, can drive somewhat. I know that he might not be the ferocious player and, and the most tenacious player like a Torrey Craig with you know his level of defense. But at the same time, you're trying to find something that clicks here with this bench. And what they've been putting out there, it's not been working consistently. I think you got to dig up that O'Shea well a little bit and maybe give him some more minutes. I get Keelan Martin's earned his minutes. I'm not trying to take away from him, but but I do think that O'Shea deserves another crack at the rotation because nobody else to me has really stood out and and, and put on a performance to say, okay, yeah, they they belong there. They they were really good. I, I mean, I, I completely agree because if things aren't going right, then what do you have to lose? I mean, O'Shea, he can't just forever lose his spot just because the first couple games didn't go well. I mean, first couple games weren't going well for the whole team. So it's like, I would like to be able to get him a few minutes. I'm looking at how everything broke down yesterday. And it's like, you know, maybe he just takes 
all 10 of Jeremy Lamb's minutes. I mean, maybe Gogo doesn't play there. I mean, that's 14 minutes you can get back. I don't know if you're really going to, you know, trim minutes away from McConnell. He played 27 minutes, but then you also try and fit in Chris Duarte and then it gets complicated. It, mm. it really does. I don't know where they're going to find minutes for O'Shea. I mean, and we didn't even get to, if you're going to bring back Isaiah Jackson or TJ Warren, you know, into the lineup or the rotation beast, then all of a sudden it, it, there's no chance O'Shea can get minutes. So it's tough. I mean, Keelan Martin, I would imagine is going to be the guy who loses those minutes first 27 minutes yesterday. Obviously, he plays more being a starter, but, you know, his minutes will probably trickle down, maybe closer to that 15, 15 mark. But uh, it, it's tough. I would like to see some O'Shea because this team needs a spark. You mentioned Detroit and the dogs they had. Alex, we've been out here, you know, screaming that this Pacers team needs one of those guys that's going to change it. They, they need to wake up. They need to get tougher. I mean, I thought when Miles got, got in that scuffle with Rudy Gobert that that was going to be a wake-up call for this team. And uh, it didn't last. It, it actually quickly uh, quickly was forgotten by the team, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, it was pretty funny. As soon as they lost to the Knicks, you saw the Pacers' Twitter handle change that picture real quick <laughs> yep. from the Miles laser eyes. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I mean, we were hoping that we wouldn't see Miles kind of go back and revert a little bit into who he's been all his career. And that's, you know, really high moments, really low moments, you know, mediocre moments and just not really being consistent. It's inconsistent or consistently inconsistent. But yeah, I mean, we, we can dog on them last night for that loss. I'm just trying to tell people where I'm at. Like, if they turn this thing around in, in 20 games, 30 games, like it would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if they beat the Hornets. But I think last night, this team really should get a slap in the face um, from the fans because if you're going to play like this and you're going to have a home stretch here in December, and you're already at the bottom of the list in terms of home fans. Like, if you don't play hard, fans are going to want to come watch you. I'm just going to be honest. When your coach is saying that you're not playing hard, Indiana is not going to come out here and support you like you want them to. I mean, first of all, they don't really want to hear about this team anymore because they're they're tired of the inconsistency. They don't like that we ran it back. I mean, fans talk about it almost every game, every loss. It's like, what'd you expect when this team ran it back? I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, Fauci. I really am. And I know I'm ranting. It's because I'm passionate. I want to see this team do better. I want to see this team win games. I don't want to see this team continue to go up and down like a roller coaster ride. It's it's not fun. I, I miss the days when this team gave you some hope. They gave you something to look forward to. Even, even in 17-18 with Victor Oladipo, he hit so many big shots because the Pacers had an identity. This team, to me, Feels like a team with absolutely no identity, and they, you know, kind of change their game plan to fit who they're playing instead of playing a certain way and adapting in the middle of the game. They seem to come out and adapt to how the other team plays first, and they're the ones reacting. And so I, I wish that they would just figure out an identity, make the moves they need to make, and, and get this team headed back into a right direction because right now it feels like they're just kind of stuck in the mud and they're going to be a, around 500 and hoping to make the playoffs, but who really knows? Oh, you want to talk about digging and, and not having an identity? I got the shovel right next to me, Alex. I was oh, dig it, digging baby. earlier, and I want to throw some numbers at you All right. about how mediocre to average this team is without an identity. This year, the Pacers ranked 20th in the NBA in scoring. Last year, I know things didn't go right, but the Pacers were 6th. All right. Um, in terms of field goal attempts, last year they were third. So they were getting up more shots. They were playing faster. This year, 18th in field goals attempted. 
15th and threes made, 16th and attempted. So you are right in the middle of the NBA, 18th and three-point percentage. Free throws made, always been a struggle. 28th in the NBA, actually is worse than last year. Rebounding, it's been a big improvement. 16th in the NBA, last year, 26th. For that, everybody's noticed the increase over there, rebounding. Assists, Alex, that's what the Pacers were doing well in the past. Last year, they were second. This year, 16th. Mm. Unbelievable. Turnovers, 24th in the NBA this year. Last year, 13th. Mm. Steals per game, 28th in the NBA. Last year, 5th. Fouls committed, 28th in the NBA. Last year, 22nd. Blocks were first in the NBA, but you know what? I mean, you can see where does that get you? Like, look. A lot of that is credit to Miles Turner. It's great, but it shows that blocks is not everything. And then just two road wins. I mean, uh, yeah. come on. This team on so, average is average. So what I'm digging so what I'm digging from your digging is that you you want Nate Bjorken back. No, never that. <laughs> never that. But all I'm just saying is like that last year's team had a lot of flaws, but you knew we could put up points. This year, yeah. the defense has gotten better, but sometimes the baskets are nowhere to be found. Well, I will say this about Nate Bjorkman last year with his offense. I liked the way the offense ran a little bit last year. I thought that at least there was some type of identity to it, if that makes sense. And I know yeah, that it does. It, that's the thing that I've been frustrated with with Carlisle. It's just like I feel like he's kind of pigeonholing guys into roles they're not like spectacular at. Like some of the looks Karis Levert's getting, like, yeah, they're, they're okay. But some of them are just, you know, he's chucking shots trying to get into a rhythm. You know, we've seen some really good shot attempts from, from Miles and Justin Holiday, but they're just not hitting. Uh, Miles was hitting, but he's not really been getting a lot of looks the last couple of games. Justin, aside from that Philadelphia game, he's not really had that many spectacular games. You're like, wow, okay, this is a, this is a knockdown shooter. You know, he's been very hot and cold. So we, uh, we're a little bit dismissive of Nate Bjorkman for obvious reasons, but I do think last year, I liked a little bit what I saw more from that offense. It just seemed a little bit more um, competent. I don't know. I don't think that that's a bad word, but it just seemed a little bit more in in rhythm. And I feel like the defense was the problem that killed us last year with Navy York. And so Carlisle's trying to fix that. But, you know, if you remember what Kevin Pritchard said when he said, we got to find a new head coach, we don't want to swing the pendulum too far from one way to the other. I feel like Carlisle, in, in terms of philosophy, has swung the pendulum so far to the defensive side of things that the offense is losing a little bit. But if you think about it, the defense is going to generate offense with this team. So they've got to get better. A lot of issues here. This team's just not really good right now. They've had good wins, but they're not a good team right now. So we can rant. I can rant from the 30, 40 minutes, but I don't have energy or time for that. Fachi. Any final thoughts on this before we, you know, maybe do a quick preview of, of the Hornets game? No, nah, I would just say win or lose, I'm going to be here. I, I love this. I love the Pacers so much that there's nothing they could do to, to have me be like, <laughs> you know what, I'm done. But life is so much better following a Pacers win. The air feels more crisp. There's more pep in the step, and I miss that feeling, and I want it back, Alex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Absolutely, man. So let's just take a quick look here at the Charlotte Hornets. They just beat the Washington Wizards last night. Really a big win for them as the Wizards had won five straight. The Hornets are a really good basketball team. And the Pacers kind of lost the game there to start the season off with where Duarte had his debut and he had a total of 27 points. So November 19th is a good time for the Pacers to get back on the winning track and, and get some revenge against the Hornets. Would not be surprised if they win this game at all because of the lackluster performance they put up Wednesday against the Pistons. But what are your thoughts on this game and what are your feelings? Man, it feels like a lifetime ago that the Pacers scored 122 points against uh, the Hornets when they first met. I mean, that was a game that really came down to the Pacers secured a rebound at the end of the game. You know, they, they probably win that game, but that's how close it was. I hope the Pacers can get back to that. I hope Duarte can, can be in that game. Uh, I know he's getting closer, so really hope to have him back out there. Charlotte, one of the more atrocious defensive teams in the league, but a very high-scoring team. So it, it's going to be tough. I think we're going to, in order to win this game, probably going to have to, A, score a lot more points than what we're doing now, but also make it a bit more uglier for, for Charlotte. I mean, right now they are really clicking uh, in terms of, obviously, you mentioned two really big wins. I mean, beating the Warriors, yeah. that, that, that says something. That really does. LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, I mean, much easier said than done. Last time we saw LaMelo absolutely get hot at times uh, against the Pacers, and that, that was a big difference. I mean, seven of nine from three in that game, dropped 31 on us. Gordon Hayward had 27. So, man, this Pacers team, you'll have Levert this time. I hope things can be different, but we need a different Levert if the outcome is going to be different. Yeah, it looks like P.J. Washington will be out with an elbow injury. He's missed some time with that. So we'll see which center lineup they go with. I felt like Sabonis really took advantage of Plumley, Mason Plumley, in this matchup last time. So we'll see if Carlisle digs into that and how the Hornets respond to that. But, you know, this is a game where Brogdon's going to have to be really good defensively on the mellow ball. We're going to have to see if Chris Duarte plays. If he doesn't, I'm assuming Keelan Martin will get the start once again just because Carlisle liked the defensive intensity that he brought. You know, there was a hilarious video of, of Kelly Oubre taking a shot like five feet behind the three-point line. I don't know if you saw it or not, but he airballed it, and the, and the Hornets were actually up, and they uh, they panned over to MJ in uh, I did see that, yeah. <laughs> in the yep. press box with Mitch Kupchak, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> such a Kelly Oubre move, right? Because Kelly mm-hmm. Oubre is just kind of a, a, a bigger a Kelly Oubre fan than he is a Charlotte Hornets fan. But with that being said, um, I, this is a game the Pacers can win. I'm not expecting the win whatsoever. The Hornets are a good basketball team. They've won four of their last five, like you said, and I said two big wins. So the Pacers, I think the only reason they're going to have a chance at winning this game is because of just how disgusting they've played the last two games. And, you know, most of the time Carlisle teams do respond well to losses. So maybe they just kind of thought the Knicks game was, hey, the Knicks are a good team. They were coming for revenge and overlooked the Pistons. But 
this is a statement game. You got to beat the Hornets and coming down to it, you know, if the Pacers want to be a playoff team, this could be a team in the mix with them. So if you don't have that tiebreaker over them, it could really hurt you. So not saying it's a must win game, but it's uh, it's a pretty important one. No better way to get back on track than pulling out a big win against Charlotte. And it's crazy how we're already talking about a big win against Charlotte because coming into the season, you would think the Pacers would be ahead of them in the standings, but that hasn't been the case. All I want to say is, uh, you know, in the first game against Charlotte, Sabonis had 19 shots and he hit 13 of them. So I really feel like we need a more aggressive Sabonis. Like I mentioned, getting 10 free throws, you know, uh, the other night against Detroit was great, but I mean, we're going to need him to put some more shots up. These games where Sabonis is having, you know, seven shots, eight shots, you know, I mean, the four shots against Toronto in a game, I'm looking at, it's not enough. It really isn't. So when things aren't going right, sometimes you might have to go to all reliable. And I hope that, uh, I hope that he can get it going. But also, this is a game that we need the Miles Turner of about a week ago. We absolutely do. And, and I, I really hope that that's the Miles that we get because this Pacers team, they're too thin on guys that can really change a game. And if Miles can get it going offensively, he can change this game. Yeah. I mean, and we're not trying to crap on any of the guys that have been struggling. We're just saying, like, when they don't play well, this team doesn't do well. So, you know, Sabonis can go out there and Brogdon go out there and put up 50 points together and, get 23 rebounds and 12 assists, whatever. I'm just combining their stats together, but that's not going to be enough to win you a game. You got to have other guys step up. And when you have Holiday, McConnell, and, and Turner playing well, you're more than likely going to win these games. So they they got to have good games, and that's what's going to help this team win. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our next segment, the featured fan of the week. And this week we're going to have on Tyler Watts. He is a super Pacers fan and He is actually an artist with post-it notes, so he'll tell you all about that. It's a really great interview. Tyler Watts, just uh, an awesome guy. We're excited to have him on, and uh, we'll get right to it after this break. All right, everybody, welcome back to Setting the Pace. After that quick commercial break, we're here to do our featured fan of the week, and joining us now is the one and only Tyler Watts. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I've been excited about this all week. You guys do such a great job, and it's an honor. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I, I really appreciate you, you know, just being excited to be with us. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're one of the few that's excited to be with us on the Zoom call because uh, me and Fachi usually don't even do camera. So this is a this is a cool experience for us. But I want to get things started off. And one of the questions we'll always start off with is how did you become a fan of the Indiana Pacers? All right. So it goes back to 1998. Uh my cousin, he was actually uh, in band in high school, and they got to travel to Indianapolis to, to do something. I guess it was Market Square back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he went to do a little band performance at Market Square, and he was telling me about how cool it was, and it kind of turned my ears on to the Pacers. And uh, and a year after that, uh, you know, I guess it was 99, 2000, so they were really good that year, obviously. And uh, so they were always on TV, and it was easy to catch a game on TNT, ESPN, TBS back then. So, uh, you know, they were getting a lot of media, national-level coverage. So I kind of got into them then, and I've been on the back, you know, been on there ever since. Hey, first off, great time to be a Pacer fan back then. I mean, things were – we were riding high, true contenders, and then right now, you know, it's a little sluggish. But, hey, we're not going to worry about that. So – Tell us a little bit about your collection, because I I know you have an unbelievable basement that we're going to have to share some pictures and show everybody. But tell us how that started. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I was in like middle school, I guess that was back around 99. I started collecting anything that I could that was blue and gold. 
Um, and so everything I have, it, it goes back to then, you know, I've always been collecting, but you know, when I got, I guess, uh, when we bought this house and moved into it, it had a huge basement. And I mean, this basement was not in really good shape. It, it had a solid foundation and that was about the extent of it. So we, uh, one of the big selling points on the house to me, uh, was that we could just name this the basement and make Love it something it. crazy big. So, uh, it's got a lot of old ABA memorabilia in there, uh, stuff dating back to about the 68, 69. Um, I got a lot of old trading cards. Uh, we have some game used, uh, shorts and, uh, shoes, lots of game worn shoes, uh, dating all the way back to, uh, well, the shorts go back to about the late, <laughs> the late sixties, uh, early seventies. So it's, it's pretty, uh, historic. It kind of tells a story, uh, from way back when all the way up until now. Um, and it also highlights a lot of the stuff that just brought joy to me and my daughter and my family since we've been watching the game together. Um, so we try to highlight our favorite players along the way. Um, not just the historical aspects, you know, just, just stuff that, that brought us a lot of memories and a lot of joy. Well, that's really awesome. And I've actually seen the video you sent it to me. I don't know if that's on YouTube or where people can find it at, but there is a video of the entire basement titled The Pacement, P-A-C-E-M-E-N-T. And it is just uh, a great walkthrough of what you put together down there. But you talked about favorite players. I'm curious, who are, uh, who are some of your favorite uh, former Pacers and I guess current Pacers? Who are some of the guys you like? Hey, I love the Davis twins, you know, I mean, the Davis brothers. That was big, you know, back back in the back in the 90s, 2000s. I loved uh, Jermaine O'Neal. He was one of my favorites. That's oh, an yeah. obvious choice. I was a big Jamal Tinsley guy. I love oh, Tinsley, wow. you know, a late first round pick. Uh, he just did so much damage. Uh, and, and that was a nice surprise. And uh, and then when my daughter started watching the games with me, she fell in love with Oladipo. He had the fanny packs, you know, the SpongeBob. Mm -hmm. he, he just, he always... Uh, was great to sign autographs and interact with the fans uh, to be such a big name. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of hard to come by. Um, I mean, the guy never turned us down for an autograph and uh, selfies and, and all that stuff. So my daughter loved him. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of my favorites now. But, of course, Reggie. Reggie's my all-time favorite. How could God, I not mention that? Gotta love Reggie, especially during the time where you became a fan. I mean, that was uh... – that was, you know, when Reggie was just running wild and, and the pictures were at the top. So I get that. But hearing about Oladipo being so kind to your daughter, that's what it's all about. I mean, oh, yeah. those memories, no matter what he does, whether he's asking for a trade or, or whatever, you'll always remember how kind he was to your daughter. So I respect that. Now, moving over a bit to the team now, what's kind of been some of the biggest frustrations you've seen that maybe you're like, man, we've really got to do this better? I think speed. Um, I, I think penetrating the lane, getting to the basket, and um, you know, just speed. And, and you know, TJ does such a great job at that. Um, uh, you know, it, it's just an all around. I don't know. It, it's hard. Each game looks different. Um, and you know, the way Thibs played us when we played uh, New York, gosh, his defense was unreal. Mm -hmm. um, so that just brought on new, brand new things to analyze. Like, you know, he would overplay the strong side mm -hmm. and just eat us up, you know. So some of our smaller guards had a hard time with that. Uh, you know, Keelan Martin, uh, TJ, you know, that, that was tough on those guys. But I don't know. I think some of my biggest frustrations have just been you'd never know what to expect. We can go out and we can take care of the Jazz after uh, a, a game against, who was it, Sacramento? Uh, Denver, we, we lost to Denver. Denver, 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 Denver. The, the shorthanded Nuggets, yeah. 
yeah, so we can come out and beat the Jazz after that. And then, you know, it's just uh, the biggest frustration for me is that we play down to the competition. And uh, th- th- that's that's tough, you know, because you want to see mm-hmm. them be hyped up against everybody and, and win these winnable games. Uh, and I think they're going to get it lined out. I really do. I think it's totally fixable. Um, I love the guys that we have on the roster. I love what Miles has been doing. And, of course, we love Duarte. What a player. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to be excited for. Um, it's just time to turn it around. Yeah, it is time to turn it around. So now I'm going to turn it around a little bit and uh, give you the opportunity to ask me and Fachi any questions you would like to ask us uh, about the team, about the podcast, or just in general. If you have any questions for Fachi and I, uh, we are here to answer them. You know, it's almost like a bad word, but a trade. You know, you see opportunities for a trade. You, you know, we, we have great players, but I think at some point, you know, before you let somebody walk away for nothing, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think you'd want to try to get a little bit back in return if they're not, you, you know, like I love Jeremy Lamb. I do. I think there's been times, you know, like when he come back off of this last injury during last season, I think he was – good I think he really helped the team but um I don't know I hope Pritchard would just do something maybe at the deadline um to shake it up a little bit what do you guys think do you think do you think anything's coming uh, I think you know, towards the, the road, towards I think towards the deadline I, I do think something's coming I think the Pacers have been stuck in the mud waiting for TJ Warren to come back and they have this whole idea that when this starting five is playing together everything's gonna work out and we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting some more so I think the first thing is going to be to see how T.J. Warren plays. Um, you know, if he's if he's playing well and looks like, you know, even 80% of what he used to be, I think the Pacers might look to maybe keep the team together. But if he's not looking the same, then you have to at least be calling up everyone you can because you mentioned Jeremy Lamb expiring, T.J. Warren expiring. I mean, are you going to commit another potential $100 million to him? It's a risk. And then there's guys like you still have Goga. They can't get playing time. So there's a lot of questions. I do think at the deadline, the Pacers will make a move. I think so, too. Um, I think it'd be the smart thing to do. Um, and if anything, when TJ comes back, and I love hearing the news that he could be back in January. I mean, I think that's great. But it's going to give us depth. And depth is a wonderful thing to have. Um, so I think when TJ comes back, and then we if we are healthy all the way across the board, then – our second unit's going to be um, much better, much yeah. better, better than what it is right now. I really feel like it will be. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. It's it's just been tough right now because, like you said, so uh, so Jekyll and Hyde with this team. So many good moments, so many bad moments, and trying mm-hmm. to find that balance of when to overreact and when not to overreact is hard. But you know, um, you'll uh, you'll hear my rant in the first segment uh, uh, about about this team right now. So. I don't want to repeat myself, but anyway, uh, real quick, I got to ask you this because there's some really cool stuff on Google. If we just type in your name and involving some of your artwork. So can you tell us a little bit about your artwork and, and what you do? Uh, yeah, I'm back and sponsored by uh, 3M. 3M makes post-it notes right here in Kentucky. They're produced in Cynthiana, Kentucky. Uh, they're wonderful. They're wonderful people. They back me on all my projects, but I'd like to create a pixel art out of post-it notes. And uh, it's turned into a pretty big thing for me. Um, you know, my, my daughter, Lila, Lila Watts, she's a big part of my inspiration on some of the projects I create. Uh, and I've been all over the state doing these, and it's been a blessing. I've met some great people. But, you know, my projects, they, 
they can take from 2,000 post-it notes all the way up to about 11,000. Wow. Yeah. The last project I did was 19 feet tall. So. Holy cow. So it's pretty crazy. have, Have you done any Pacer ones? No, that's my next goal. I want to reach out to like the Hornets, the Pacers, some low, you know, places I can get to pretty easily. Uh, some arenas because I'm going to Charlotte tomorrow to watch the Pacers game. So awesome, one awesome. day I would love to do a big Pacers logo right in the middle of Bankers Life Fieldhouse, you know, on one of the concourse walls, uh, you know, on Pennsylvania Avenue, the entrance, you know, those windows are gigantic. Uh, maybe one day amazing. I'll be there. Hey, that would be unbelievable. And you have to send us over some pictures of your art so we can show everybody because I saw one of them truly amazing stuff. I mean, just like you mentioned, up to 11,000 post-it notes. That is very impressive. (laughs) So anyone who's going to put in the time that you're putting in, I mean, we got to make sure people see this. Uh, You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, But yeah, so that's my post-it note story. It's, and it's so, I used to teach primary. I used to teach first grade. I'm in fourth grade now, but when you're around scissors and glue that much, you know, ideas just kind of happen and that's where it stemmed from. So awesome, man. Well, Tyler, as we wrap things up, I'll give you the floor one more time. Uh, anything that you want to share, that'd be awesome. And uh, if you have any Pacers hot takes, we uh, now's the time to share them. So we're going to wrap things up right here. All right. I got a, I got a hot take. I got a hot take and I got something to share tomorrow night. I'll share this with you. Me and my daughter are courtside in Charlotte. And we have as much yellow as you could possibly imagine that we're going to wear tomorrow to the game. So we're behind the backboard. Look for us. We're going to be cheering on the blue and gold. Uh, We're excited to be there. And my hot take, Pacers are going to turn it around. And when we do, my hot take is something's going to happen in February. And uh, we're going to be right there in the playoff mix, you know, between the seven and the 10. And uh, I think we're going to make some noise. But my other hot take, the Hornets are tough, and uh, I see the Hornets being a Eastern Conference Finals uh, contender. I think Whoa. they can really get. I'm t- that's my that's hot. They, Miles Bridges is on fire right now, um, so I'm excited to see that guy play tomorrow. I hope he has a sluggish game, but uh, <laughs> the Hornets are the real deal in my opinion. A lot of fun. They just beat the top team in the East, top team in the West, back to back. I mean. Super fun, young team right over there. Lost to him by one last time. Maybe this time with you in the building. Maybe it's a difference, Tyler. We appreciate you. Hey, uh, before I go, I just want to say, go Pacers. Let's go. All right, Fachi. What an awesome interview there with Tyler Watts. Really cool to be able to meet these fans and just get to know them a little bit better and, and get to figure out how they became a Pacer fan. Absolutely. I think the fan of the week has been an exciting thing. I feel like it connects us way more with, with, with our audience, our listeners, our fans. I mean, everything about it, like Pacer fans. I mean, I've always said it before. There's nothing better than talking Pacer basketball. This team could start getting some wins. I mean, the fan of the week is going to be an even more fun segment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like we said, if you want to be a fan of the week, just message us. I mean, it's really complicated to send emails and do that, whatever. So message us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can respond to any of the posts that we put in on Facebook, just trying to keep it all together. It's really difficult because I've got people texting me saying, Hey, how do you do this fan of the week stuff? I would like to be involved. So, you know, it just, just reach out to us. And if you haven't heard from me, reach out again, because we're only going to do one a week, but we love to do it every single week for the entirety of the season and maybe into the off season. But Really cool opportunity for you guys to come on for us to get to know you better and just say thank you for supporting the show. But 
Fachi, before I tell you, um, let you let you lose here to let people know where they can find this at. We have crossed 150 ratings and reviews. So kudos to everybody out there for, for doing that for us. If you haven't already, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you do have an Android and you don't have an iPhone, you can still do it on your desktop and uh, do it that way. So want to let you know, we are closing in on our 175 goal and we are ready to buy you guys a City Edition jersey. So super excited about that. But Fachi, I'm going to let you loose now. Where can the people find us at on social media? All right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And if you're excited for our friend Tyler Watts, our featured fan of the week, hoping that he gets a Pacers victory at that road game in Charlotte, say these three words. Let's go Pacers!